Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. Our current sermon series is called Remember and Proclaim. The title of Dr. Splon's sermon today is We Are United by Our Common Faith. The theme is that we are a diverse group of people united by our common faith. The Lord's Supper, baptism, and the Word of God powerfully remind us of all we have in common. You might take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 will be there and will also be in Acts chapter 4. And if you're using the Pew Bible there in front of you, you're looking for pages 772 and 773. Um, a couple things before we um, look at God's Word. One, I've seen some of you back here for Mother's Day. You're not always here, but Mother's Day has brought you to town, and so just want to let you know how happy we are to see you again. And uh, hope as many times as you have opportunity to come to Birmingham, that you're always here with us um, in worship. It's good to see you. Also, choir, I'd be remiss if I didn't say wonderful job. Uh, last week, when I saw half of you up there, I thought, I'm not sure they're going to all fit up there. Uh, but you do. And it's a sign of God's grace that we can do this kind of thing again. Um, so many things that are, that are coming back to us that I don't want us to take for granted. And so we thank God for your efforts and your time and um, for using your gifts and talents to lead us in worship today. Thank you um, so much. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 42. Luke writes these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For as long as I have been alive, family pictures have been a part of my existence. Growing up, I can remember going to Olin Mills. If any of you have ever been there, God bless you. And I remember one picture in particular of my dad with a full beard and lots of long hair from the time. And we were seated there. And my mom had very large glasses. And there's this oil painting, I guess, or some type of painting behind us of a library. And uh, my, my sister and I looked so dignified and wonderful there sitting in that moment of our family picture. And our family pictures have changed now that I have my own family. 
Um, thank the Lord that we've, we do it differently now. And the Sanderlands were the ones probably to take one of our most recent family pictures. We were out at the botanical gardens. Everybody was in more casual clothing. You know, things have changed. But one thing that's consistent is that in that moment, everybody looks like they have it all together and, and things are good. And you don't see all the chaos that went into that family photo. You don't see them dragging the teenagers and saying, we're going to take a picture. Maybe today on Mother's Day, you say, we're going to get out here and we're going to smile for mom's picture on Mother's Day. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth and everybody gets out there or we got babies screaming and, you know, everything goes in. There's this perfect moment when we kind of capture it all, but we know that it's not always like that. And I think the passages from, from Acts are, are kind of like that as we think about the church. When we look at these passages, one from Acts 2 and one from Acts 4, I mean, raise your hand if you want to be a part of that kind of church. Like, I'm here for that. Where everybody has everything in common. Nobody's needy among them. There's this sweet unity. They're all of one mind and one heart and one purpose. People are selling land and bringing it to the church. And they're like, hey, if you need money, here, I got you. And I think it's, it's tempting for us to look at passages like this from the book of Acts or to look back at what we think the early church was like and think, wow, if we could just be like them again. If we could just go back and if we could just all be on the same page and united in heart and mind. But the problem with that kind of thinking is that if you read the rest of the New Testament, even if you read Acts chapter 5, which follows right after the end of what we just read, it's really clear that, that the church was never perfect. They never had it all together. There's always this struggle, and it, and it comes from the fact that we aren't instantly fully made into the image of Jesus as soon as we place our faith in him. There's this long, slow process called sanctification. And as I often tell married couples as they're getting ready to get married, and I'm, I'm trying to hold in balance in their um, thoughts about marriage, both the beauty and the wonderful parts of marriage, and also the fact that it's going to be hard. It's going to take work. And I often tell them there are two things that are going to come against them. One, the sin in their own hearts that still resides and is going to cause conflict. And then there's just the fallenness of the world that you and I live in. That living in this world is hard at times, and so it causes conflict among us. I think the same is, is true about the church. People often have either these overly glorious ideas of what church is like, they think, oh, all the people at the church are just going to be perfect and love Jesus and love me so well. And there are days when they will. And there are other days where they run into church and it's not what they hoped it would be. And it concerns me because if you think church is going to be perfect all the time, and you run in and your expectations aren't met, it's easy for you to swing between those two poles of church is awesome and it's always going to be great or church is terrible and I should never go there with those sinful, crazy people. But every relationship that you have and every relationship I have that's worth it in the end, there is both hard work that comes from making sure that we continue to have unity and joy and love in our relationship, 
And it requires us to extend grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness to each other. And it's in those kinds of relationships that you and I really grow more and more into the image of Jesus, into the person that he would have us to be. I'm not going to ask you to write your list of names, but I would guess there's somebody involved in Mount Baptist Church that you wouldn't have invited. You look around the room, you're like, I don't know if I'd invited that person to come to church. But just like you didn't choose your family, you don't get to choose your church family. And God calls us all here, and he calls us to live into these relationships with each other that God uses by his grace and his mercy to make us more and more into the image of Jesus. So I don't think that these passages ought to fill us with some romanticism about the past and to think if we could just get back to the first century church, we would all have our our problems fixed and everything would be great. But I do think there's characteristics in these passages that that we're called back to that are important for us to remember that this is the source of our unity. That it's not our favorite sports team. It's not the college that we attend. It's not a group we belong to or don't belong to. It's, It's none of those things that ultimately give us the deepest foundation for our fellowship and our unity here at Mountain River Baptist Church. But it is this common faith that we share, and God has been gracious to give us some expressions of his grace and mercy to allow us to continue to foster this deep sense of unity and fellowship that God would have us to know. The first thing that I see in Acts chapter 2 that you and I ought to glean as a source of our unity and the depth of fellowship is the apostles' teaching. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I sometimes think that you and I think about doctrine or theology or the gospel even in some, some kind of what's nice if we share that or it doesn't matter if we share that. But you and I, the gospel and the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus forms the most basic sense of why you and I belong to this church together. And it's this wonderful reminder that not one person here in this sanctuary today deserves to be here. That each of us is a sinner. And all that we enjoy through faith in Christ is an expression of God's grace and his mercy. So that when we are tempted to think that we're better than someone else, or when we're tempted to think that our sins disqualify us from being a part of this fellowship. In both cases, it is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that that reminds us that we are on equal footing, that we don't come into the sanctuary, we don't come into Mount Baptist Church based on our own merits, and we're not discounted because of the ways that we fall short. And it's the It's a source of unity that if we would really believe and lean into that, that each person in this fellowship is created in God's image, separated from him because of sin, and that God has been gracious and merciful to call us into relationship with himself and with each other. And I'll just tell you, the places where I get most frustrated with other people 
or when they don't sin like I do. I mean, I, I have some sins, but they're not nearly as bad as yours or annoying as yours. But the truth of the matter is, is that as I understand more fully just how deep my need is for God's grace and I come face to face with the places that I've fallen short, it's so much easier for me to extend grace and mercy to you. If you're like me, you're very hypocritical in how you think about your own annoying habits. Um, two things I find annoying that I do. Chomp ice. I try not to do it around you. And sing loudly to the radio. I do all of those, but I wish you would not. Right? But it's just, there's something in us that we just think we can't help but think we're somehow elevated or better. And we see the very same thing in other people and we have no patience for them. But at our best, we're united by our belief in the apostles' proclamation of all that God did in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're enabled to be kind and patient and humble with each other. The second thing that they devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread. And most commentators think that, that what Luke has in mind here is the Lord's Supper. Now, I grew up Baptist, obviously. I've been Baptist my whole life. And growing up thinking about the Lord's Supper, we did, we did it just enough to me to remember that it was a thing, but not often enough for it to be that important and meaningful to me. It'd be easy to miss the Lord's Supper in some Baptist churches because of the frequency with which we do it. But I can tell you that, that in celebrating the Lord's Supper and this gift that God's given us, in these tangible expressions of, of breaking bread and acknowledging that Christ's body was broken for us and, and drinking here in the Baptist church juice, Remembering that Christ shed his blood for us and for our sins. It's one of those expressions that God has given us to remind us of our common faith that we share. And it's really difficult to be arrogant and proud when you come to the Lord's table. It's really hard to think that you're elevated or above someone else or even to be at a point of disunity with someone else if you're celebrating in the Lord's Supper with them. I remember thinking about that this past year during the Monday Thursday service. And the Lord just spoke to me through that expression and celebration of the Lord's Supper that, that really in that moment there was this deep sense of unity that I felt with everybody else in the room. And this reminder that the only reason I can come to the table, the only reason that I can celebrate and enjoy all that God's done for me is because of God's grace and his mercy. So the apostles' teaching, thinking about things that are true as we see it in Scripture, the ordinances, the Lord's table, and even the baptism that we celebrate when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then fellowship. It's just true that you have to spend time with people to grow in relationship with them. We would love to, to microwave 
a certain sense of deep relationship with other people, but you've got to, you got to make time and you got to make effort and you got to actually engage with other people in the life of the church if you want to grow in relationship. A few weeks ago we had, is it two weeks ago? We had our barbecue lunch. And I was driving by the church the Saturday night before and I was thinking, what's going on up there? Like, I'm the pastor. I should know what, what's happening up there. And I was on my way home and I, I, I saw the, the trucks and I saw the stuff and I was like, oh, they're cooking the barbecue. Oh, they're cooking the barbecue. So I, you know, whipped the Suburban, the land yacht around and went back and pulled down the hill. And the thing that excited me most about the fact that there were men from our church staying up all night, most of them at least, cooking that barbecue is not that they were cooking the barbecue necessarily, but it was the fact that they were spending time in relationship with each other. And one of our newest members was out there participating around the grill, and and God does something in our hearts for each other as we spend time with each other in depth of relationship and community and fellowship. And this is one of the, I don't have to tell you this, this is one of the hardest things for you and I to integrate into the life of church now. How many of you are busy? Kind of laugh, you're like, yeah, yeah. Some of us probably left a ball field last night at like 10.15 and got in the bed at 11.15 and then, you know, jumped up this morning and tried to get to church. I'm in that world. I get it. I understand. There's so many things pulling at us. But for you to experience all that God would have for you to know and experience in the life of the church, there have to be ways for you to be in relationship with other people where you spend time and you grow and you begin to appreciate and understand things about them that you didn't know beforehand. So fellowship. And then lastly, prayer. Prayer. If you're like me, prayer is one of those things that you can tip your hat to. You say, yeah, prayer's important. If you were to ask me walking in the hall, hey, Wayne, is prayer important? What do you think I would say? Yes. But the more that you and I pray for each other, and maybe especially praying for the people that came to your mind earlier that you find harder to love, that require an extra measure of grace and mercy for you to be in deep community and relationship with them. It's really difficult to pray for somebody and then to see them and to not be kind and gracious to them. It's very hard. And so as I think about Mount Brook Baptist Church and where we are today, I think that God's given us an opportunity to experience a really sweet sense of fellowship and unity and excitement about the future. In fact, I left Deacon's meeting last month and I thought, man, that was, that was great. But there was this little voice, perhaps the Holy Spirit in the back, is like, well, what, what about when it's not? I know because of the sin in my own heart and the sin in all of our hearts and the fallenness that you and I experience in this world that that we won't always be unified and experience the joy that we would like to know if we're not consistently engaging in these things. That we're, we're studying God's word, that we're growing in our understanding of who he is and all he's done 
apostles' teaching, if we're not faithfully engaging in the life of the church through participating in worship, celebrating the Lord's Supper together, if we're not seeking to be in relationship and fellowship, and if we're not praying for each other, then I know that we won't just naturally experience all that God would have for us to know. So I invite you to engage in each of those things. And as God's gracious by the power of his spirit to conform us more into the image of Jesus, there'll be days where it's easy to love each other. There'll be days when it's easy to experience unity and depth of fellowship. There'll be other days where we have to work harder and lean more on the Holy Spirit at work in us. But I believe that God would have for us to remember these things as we move into the future, confident that he can do even more in and through us than we would expect on this day. May it be. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for the gifts that you've given us to unite us in our common faith as followers of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word and for preserving for us the teaching of the apostles. We thank you for allowing us to know the good news of all that you've given us in Jesus. We thank you for the Lord's Supper, and we thank you for baptism that that remind each of us of our deepest need and the way that you've been so gracious to unite us together. And Lord, we pray that you would increase our fellowship with each other, our sense of spending time and engaging in deep matters of faith and life with each other, and I pray that you would help us to be faithful to pray for each other and for the health and for the, for the future of our church. That we wouldn't have an overly idealistic vision of what, what church is, that we know it's hard and we know it takes effort and work, and, but we also know that you've chosen to use your church as the vehicle through whom you proclaim the gospel to a world that desperately needs to hear it. So we pray that you'd be at work among us and we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.